Welcome to the Stories or Soul Food podcast with your hosts, Brian Cole and best-selling author, N.D. Wilson. This audio is brought to you by Cannonball Books and Great Homeschool Conventions. Great Homeschool Conventions are the homeschooling events of the year, offering outstanding speakers, hundreds of workshops on today's top parenting and homeschooling topics and the largest homeschool curriculum exhibit halls in the United States of America. We believe passionately in the God-given right and responsibility of parents to train and educate their children. Okay, what are we talking about today, Brian? The benefits or the disadvantages. Should you be a picky eater when it comes to books? Okay, define your terms for me. Should you read narrowly or broadly? That's the question. I think a lot of people find what they like and they certain kids obviously read what they like and then they stay in that genre and read okay, that genre. So we're talking about genre limitations. Yeah. Because on one, on one hand, you want picky eaters. Because that's what we talked about last episode, yeah, I guess. We, we want people who are super picky and what they admire and what they love and how their affections are shaped. But we also all know those kids, I was one, who will only read Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you know, will only read whatever it might be. Is so, that your, was that your food of choice back in the day? Yeah. So, I did laps through Lord of the Rings. And then by fifth grade, I would only read from that trilogy, basically, some of Narnia. Even then, not just all of, not, not all of Lord of the Rings, just particular scenes. I would just go, <laughs> I, would, I, I had the whole story in my head, so I would go reread Helm's Deep or oh, reread yeah. The Merns of Moria or The Ride of the Rohirrim. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I wouldn't, that would then it'd be done. Like, okay, I read that part. That's great. And okay. I stopped. I mean, I just stopped reading. So I think it's, I think, yeah, we want to encourage broad reading genre-wise. We want to uh, get readers who can find excellence in different areas, but we don't want to have readers who can't tell excellence. So, one of the problems of picky eaters, and we're going to get into some parenting here, one of the problems of picky eaters is they have terrible taste. Yeah. You know, it's like, I will only eat chicken nuggets. Yeah, must that, taste the little little crunchy breads on the outside. That is, that is all I'm going to do. I'm only going to eat this. And even though it might be fine once upon a time, occasionally, as soon as a kid starts being exclusive, I will only eat this. It's a way of flexing power and control over their parents. Hmm. Uh, so, there's a, there's a lot of you know, progressive parenting instruction that will tell you this is one of the only areas where they can control their own life. So, we need to let them uh, uh. Be, be picky eaters. <laughs> Then it's, I would say, it's one of the only areas where they can control their parents. And so... Because you're so focused on getting nutrition into your yeah, child. Yeah, they so they try to control, it's a power yeah. play, they, they try to control the parents. And so, I have done, as a parent with five kids, I have many, many tales of battles around eating. Yes, the pee. The pee must go down. <laughs> it might be the only places where I've had battles with my kids. I don't know that I've ever had any battles over anything else, probably because I won all of the battles over the lima bean, the bean, whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever it might be. I had one, one daughter who would always like sit there with, with food in her mouth until she felt like throwing up. Ooh. And so, she uh, started to puke up a hamburger, started to tell this, this, this I'm kind of sorry to tell this story, but <laughs> she started to puke up a bite of hamburger. She managed to make herself gag. 
I successfully got my hand under her mouth, caught that bite, and then picked up her hamburger that she had just vomited on, took it to the sink, rinsed off the patty, and rinsed off the bite and set it back on her plate. <laughs> and I was like, even this doesn't get you out of it. The issue is the control, yeah. not, you know, yeah. the, the fighting the control, not, not so much. Yeah. And obviously people have taste and there's things, some people can't stand meatloaf or whatever. Yeah. Some people love meatloaf. There's variation in taste. That's fine. But when it's about power, uh, when a kid starts to selectively control their own diet and it's about power, then it's really problematic because they end up only eating things that are not good for them, at least in, when it's exclusively that. Right. You know, they need to diversify their, their diet, their intake. The same thing's true of readers who get that way. So, you will end up with a really intelligent kid. Mm -hmm. They've got all the, you know, IQ. They read very well. And then they say, and I'll, I'll pick on fantasy because I'm a fantasy novelist. They'll say, I will only read fantasy. And so, yeah, I'll just, I'll just eat chicken nuggets. Yep. Just chicken nuggets. I love chicken nuggets. So I'm only going to eat that. And we as parents have to try to diversify that and to force that. Now, what happens is you take a very intelligent kid who says, I only eat fantasy novels. I will only feed on fantasy. They will then prefer reading a terrible fantasy novel to reading a great adventure novel or a great and excellent family drama. Okay, so is this a distinction between maybe they, they're now unable to distinguish between that flavor and the actual ingredients? Yeah, so they're just saying, this is it. The thing that I will eat is anything that has magic and wizards. And I don't care if it's terrible. I don't care if it's good as right. long as it has magic and wizards. That's my right. new metric for good and bad. I'll eat any burger if it has ketchup. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't matter how awful it might be. Uh, I'll do this. So there's a lot of great fantasy novels, but most quote-unquote fantasy readers, people who voraciously love fantasy, know how many terrible fantasy novels there are. Yeah. Many, many, yeah. many terrible fantasy novels. So, when you get picky readers, they, they tend to zoom in on a particular genre or a particular device, a particular conceit. Uh, I will only read dragon books. Mm -hmm. I like dragons, so yeah. I will only read dragon books. Yeah. Or I like historical romance. Yeah. Um, and I will only read that. It's like, well, there's, I've had as many conversations with people who won't read fantasy. Mm. They kind of knee jerk against fantasy. Yeah. As I have with people who won't read anything but fantasy. And they all, they all need to broaden. They all need to think, let's find an excellent story. Like, yeah. let's, let's find a truly excellent story and let's read that. And yeah. Let's not, and let's not care. If it's got a wizard in it, fantastic. Right. But. Yeah. Yay. We like those. Those are like chocolate chips, but that's not. That's not the end all be all of whether or not right. I consume this thing. Okay. I bet, I bet parents play into this too because they realize, hey, my kid likes to read and they'll read anything with a sword on the cover. <laughs> yeah. And so, if you see a sword on the cover, you're getting it for the next birthday. Yeah. And, it's, and there's nothing wrong with taste. There's nothing wrong with like, oh, hey, I'm trying to find, you know, fun new fantasy novels because my kid loves those. Yeah. That's great. Find those, especially if they're good. Right. Like, find every single good one that you possibly can and let them read it, but also find all the other good ones. You know, if you have a kid who's refusing to read Watership Down because- right. It has a ra rabbits. Yeah, I don't read bunny <laughs> books. I'm yeah. like, don't make me read the bunny book is a, a sentence from one of my sons. <laughs> <laughs> Watership Down is one of the best novels for kids that's ever been written. I mean, it is a fantastic book. Yeah. And you're 
children need to know that they need to experience it they need to love it now if you go read the wing feather saga if you're reading andrew peterson and they love it love it love it love it and so they just want to do laps through those books great mm-hmm. okay but how do you diversify the diet like it's okay to have your favorites it's okay to have your your treats the yeah. things you love to go to and why do you want to diversify just to make it clear you want to diversify so that they can experience a full range of imaginative growth right, right. so we talked about in the that first episode about stories being soul food and how this is food for the imagination and we need the imagination to be broad and agile <laughs> you need it yeah. to be able to move laterally yeah because you want people to be able to process the world in which they live and their own narrative stories like they the stories they live in switching hats a little bit too as as acquisitions editor i get a lot of manuscript submissions and you as teaching in the mfa would get submissions from people who only read one genre i right. think you can tell those oh yeah when you, when you get that and you yeah. read the first paragraph and it reads a little bit like a parody of the best things in fantasy or, or, <laughs> yeah. or a parody of the best historical fiction. And, yep. you know, it can be a, talent, a talented author in some ways who yeah. just feels like it's a little, uh, maybe their muscles are a little bit stringy when it comes to good literature. It's about the flavor, not so much the ingredients. It's actually, this is one of the reasons why I've wanted my kids to play different sports too. So, if you play a sport, that or no sports <laughs> no sports is bad but if you play a sport and that's it so i will only move my body in this way yeah you can look at some high-end you know top flight soccer athletes you know they could they could be extremely talented people and they look a kind of kind of like a t-rex <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Like, yeah leg muscles you know, some of them no some of them are you know they're extremely fit around the board yeah. and it looks like they could play a professional sport in any sport but right a lot of them, it's like, you have enormous legs. <laughs> <laughs> little below, tiny arms. Little tiny arms. a computer programmer torso. Your upper body looks entirely sedentary and your lower yeah. body looks like an Olympic power lifter. Yeah. The offensive tackle too. The yeah. Offensive same, same tackle thing. problem. So, you have, you go to a position, you go to a sport. I play football. I play only football. I play basketball. I play only basketball. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of articles and studies about the way you set yourself up for injury. Oh, yeah. So, you know, NBA stars who like break, like a kid breaks his leg uh, in his first game of the NBA, like his bone just snaps because he's been overtraining for basketball through adolescence and he's only done that. Mm. Like that's it. The same thing happens with, with fiction. The same thing happens with stories and with imaginations. Like you can create adults out of your children that you can grow them up into people where they can only think in one very particular pattern they have one imaginative move and that's all Uh, yeah they can't really comprehend they can't relate to other people who aren't wizards (laughs) they don't have the ability to look at someone in their church or in their town and see them as a character and find them in any way interesting because they have no powers right no hats or Or because they're not a rabbit you know i know i know people who will only (laughs) read bunny books a different problem Yeah. yeah so read the bunny books read the fantasy novels like diversify Find great, great fiction. Uh, find stories that will cause your kids to latch onto those characters and follow them through adventures and will feed and broaden and strengthen their imaginations and equip them to see people around them, see people in their, in their lives and in their environments, their towns and churches, and see them as characters and see them as interesting characters. So, I've heard you talk about giving up on a book, being willing to give right. up on a book. Where's the time with a kid where you say, no, no, this is, this is great. You got to push through. 
or you think, hey, maybe this genre is not so for them. So there's, there's a couple things. One is you got to do this early because if you wait until the kid's reactive, they're strongly reactive against something, it's kind of already, t- it's just tough. Because yeah. you, to stick with the Watership Down example, you sit them down, you say, I'm going to read you this story, and they say, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hate it. And you try to say, no, sit there, I'm going to keep reading, you're going to love it. And then you keep reading it, and they keep hating it. Yeah. And they keep hating it. Like, well, you're defeating the purpose at that point. Yeah. So you got to find a way to get around their defenses. If, it's, if they've already kind of ossified, if they've already got this crunchy exterior, like a barnacle built up where they only allow fantasy in. <laughs> and I keep picking on fantasy, like I said, because I write fantasy. Well, yeah. yeah. But um, if they've already got that, it's tough. You know, so in my case, I was 12. My mom sat me down and read me The Witch Hunt, the chapter from King Solomon's Minds. Yeah. And introduced me to intensity and to visceral action that was not Lord of the Rings. And it, like, it just kicked, kicked the walls down in my imagination. Yeah. And so she sat down and being wise, she sat me on the couch and she started ringing, uh, reading this chapter to me about all the warriors lined up and this, this witch dancing around in front of all the lined up warriors. Yeah, she's a scary character. Yeah, I remember. And the, the drums are beating. It's this very Minds of Moria moment where it's just this, you know, bum, 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 you know, the drums and this witch dancing and she's pointing at warriors who are then disemboweled by the guys on either side of them. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm no wizards, but I'm yeah, stuck. <laughs> I'm, sitting, I'm sitting on a couch. My mom gets to the place where a warrior has been grabbed. The witch has pointed to him and the warrior has been grabbed by the warriors on both sides of him thrown to his knees, disemboweled, and thrown on his face. And the witch dances on and the drums keep beating as she picks the next guy. And I'm sitting here just shocked, uh, <laughs> horrified, and totally gripped. And so then that's when she set the book down. And she set the book down and walked away. And, and just said, but you don't like to read, you know, you don't, you don't like to read stories like this. And just left and left me sitting there with that book. <laughs> so, you know, the obvious thing happened. I picked it up. I disappeared. I read King Solomon's Minds for my first time and discovered in doing that, discovered that there's whole wings of storytelling and narrative that I had not explored and that are excellent and that pay off and that feed you and inspire you and uh, really affect you just as much as the other stuff that you already really loved. So, Lord of the Rings, I still love. Lord of the Rings had had its effect, though. It had already had its effect. Yeah. And so, I needed to broaden. And that was really when I was, became capable of appreciating a Watership Down or uh, any number of other stories. I mean, I wasn't even into Treasure Island because mm-hmm. like, Treasure Island wasn't, you know, fantasy. The concept of just adventure was not enough for me. I needed, you know, I needed the wizards and the magic. Hmm. So, that moment with King Solomon's Minds really is what derailed me from my picky eating and, and sent me off hunting for historical fiction, yeah. uh, hunting for adventure, bunny books. <laughs> it didn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Things, things that were good. It sent me hunting for stories that were good as opposed to stories that have pointy hats. Right. So, our takeaway, we got to be like Nancy Wilson here. Yeah, find, exactly. find the moment for your kid. Where so, you're you want to start early with their little, read them different kinds of stories but yeah. make sure you don't read them lame ones right you know you want to read them good stories mm-hmm. and you know and vet like truly try to vet those read reviews uh read reviews by people you trust and try to find things that will inspire them and excite them and motivate them to be better characters like to be more interesting in their own lives and and cross genres 
So if they have a go-to genre they love, great. But that doesn't mean park there and read bad stuff. Yeah. Just right. because they will like it. Like here, this dragon, this dragon novel, which is actually quite terrible and subversive and will undermine their Christian worldview, but it is within their picky tastes. So it's a chicken nugget. Just spoon it down. So we're going to just, we're going to read this one. That's fine. You're going to read that book. Mm-hmm even though it's going to attack you and our family and everything that uh, we want you to love because it, it suits your genre needs. We have to push outside of that. So trying to enforce it on kids is going to be tough. You got you to do it like my mom did it. You got to be tricksy, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it comes down to. And you kind of need to understand story. You know, you understand what's, what's enjoyable so yeah. that you, you know what a kid will like. Hot take, hot tip here. If you have a kid who is a fantasy obsessed reader and they will read many, many terrible fantasy novels and they will not read any good adventure, non-fantasy yeah. novels. Yeah. When you decide to like, come sit down with that little barnacle that's already ossified its protective casing uh, and you're going to try to like recalibrate and correct and get, and get back onto a broader road. When I say be tricksy, I really mean be tricksy. So, if you say, we're reading Watership Down as a family, you're going to see that 12-year-old boy, that version of me in your own family that's going to just rebel. Like, nah, I hate it. And it's like, and what is the other thing that you can do that they love that you can just like, a, like Pavlov's dog that you can join these things up? Like, we are going to eat ice cream and read Watership Down. <laughs> like, I will give you a milkshake like, it's milkshake time. And while you guys work on your milkshakes, I'm going to read to you. And then when we're done with our milkshakes, we're done with the book. And the next time you want a milkshake, like, it comes with Watership Down. Yeah. This, is, yeah. this is how we're doing it. Like, this is... And you, you want to make it an enjoyable experience. You have to, in their own little psyches, you have to associate reading excellent things with pleasure. Like, this is a good thing. Right. Um, so, if it's cookies, if it's ice cream, if it's something that blatant, <laughs> with little kids, it'll still work. It still works great. I mean, you have kids. You know that you can yeah, say, mine, hey. Yeah, mine are little and uh, I know my wife has done occasionally themed food parties, you know, right. with a, a specific book. Hey, we're going to do the food from this book and that lasts a long time, even if the, <laughs> you know, that really feeds emotionally nice. and gets you excited on it. But you know that if, you get to, if you're going to sit your boys down to yeah. listen to a story that they aren't immediately interested in. No. Like they looked at the cover and they don't like it because there was a girl. Yeah. You know, whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever it yeah. might be, whatever kind yeah. of picky eating, if you can always bait the hook. The hook can always be baited. And right. we're not, people are not that complicated. We're all pretty simple. Right. So for me, the hook just needed to be action. Yeah. And so my mom read me that part and walked away. Apple pie would have worked just as well. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, if it's if she dissociated the the two, so this this uh, that's not like a long term solution, but that is the kind of thing that would prevent it from being counterproductive, right? Because everybody has that book that your parent tried to get you to read when you were a kid, and you picked it up as an adult and realized, hey, this was pretty good. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Why did I why did I hate this so yeah. much? So if you're trying to read your kids till we have faces and they're much too young for it, oh yeah, uh, like just move on. Uh, that hideous strength, but they can't, you know, they're, they're six. Like, go, go do something else. Read a different story. 
you know call it courage that that kid's book i don't think i do with the cannibals oh well i uh, that one was stuck in Im- immensely formative for me as a kid <laughs> i just tried to read it to my kids and realize the prose style is probably like five years in the future but it's like a 60 page cannibal novel and it's one of those things <laughs> as a dad you're like you need to read this book but uh we'll get there at it's some going point. to affect you the way it affected me yeah yeah and then it doesn't and then it doesn't so i was like well we'll come back later when maybe 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 get some mangoes and some octopuses to fight and, yeah something, uh, yeah. something. Uh, <laughs> yeah i don't know how you do a food theme party around that yeah uh, <laughs> but anyway it's i think the uh, the problem of over specific taste and picky readers is just the what happens when you are willing to feed yourself on garbage because it happens to have been in the right package mm. versus feeding yourself on excellence and chasing that excellence. So I think that's that's really kind of it in a nutshell. You don't want people to you're doing your kids to develop one really big imaginative muscle. You want them to build all their imaginative muscles. Right. You want them to be able to see a rabbit in the park and you know immediately relate to its life. Yeah. And see that narrative because God wrote that narrative. You want them to be able to see it and think through it and project yeah. and imagine like what life would be like for them. But you want them to see people at bus stops and feel the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you want them to be able to sympathize with other humans in this story. Yeah. Even if they're not hobbits, even if they're not wizards. Right. So read broadly with your kids, get your kids to read broadly. And if you have to, trick them. I think that's the. That's kind of the nutshell from this episode. I like it. All right. Peace out. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Stories or Soul Food podcast. Last week, I mentioned that the Canon app has released. It is the Audible app for all of Canon. So it's got all of our digital content, all of our audiobooks, and even conference material. I wanted to make sure you knew about one book in particular, Brave Ollie Possum by the Babylon Bee's very own Ethan Nicole. Ollie Maccarelli is determined to face his fear of the dark once and for all, but he gets more than he bargained for when his therapist turns out to be an actual monster. To make it even worse, Ollie is transformed from a boy to a possum and locked in a cage. With no way to call for help, Ollie must learn to be brave with the help of some furry friends or he will be the main course. Ethan Nicole's Brave Ollie Possum audiobook is absolutely phenomenal. Go find Ethan Nicole's Brave Ollie Possum audiobook at canonpress.com app.